0: When companies and sales managers have trouble and they don't know where to turn, listen to me. They often reach out for today's special guest on our podcast. This is an individual with a great sales background, sales management, director of sales. Heck, today's guest has written a book on sales and speaks on sales all the time. Many of our guests on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast from the actual sales side of our business know today's guest and know his reputation. I'm excited because of his knowledge and experience in sales, recruiting, lead generation. Oh, we're going there. You know we are. That's an ideal person for us to talk with on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Are you ready? To enjoy any of our episodes, you only need to be interested in others, want to grab some thoughts and some wisdom about how others are being successful in our business right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, hearing good advice, and of course, hearing stories of an amazing radio pro, along with uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Our difference is we help treat your entire business, programming and sales. We're branding specialists who help our clients fully develop the right position for their brand or brands in their local radio market coach local morning shows and other talents, design, and of course, execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce daily music logs for you if you need it, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotional ideas that move the revenue needle and a lot more. It's unlikely that you've ever worked with someone like RPC because we treat the whole business We're confidential and market-exclusive for radio, and we focus on helping our clients generate more revenue. Do you have a problem that gets in the way of that next level of ratings or revenue? Well, reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Coming up on Thursday, I can't believe that this is almost here. Let me tell you what's coming up. We call it Leveraging Radio's Relationship with Consumers, Radio's Real Value Story. How Strong Brands Should Command Premium Value Today. Of course, on this special event coming this Thursday, we're going to share ideas to help boost your Q1 revenue. We're also going to discuss the relationship between brand trust and consumers. We call them listeners. My co-host for this radio event will be Chris Fleming from CD Media Consulting. We have a couple of special guests, too. The first one is Erin Callahan. She is from Vituri Media and also as our special guest, Richard Harlow, who's the market manager of Dick Broadcasting in Greensboro, North Carolina. By the way, we have a quarterly sales event like the one you're going to hear on Thursday. And, and we do it as a regular part of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. You can go to our blog, look under quote, sales events, unquote, at the top of the page. You can listen to all of our past sales events right now but wait until after the podcast that you're listening to remember january 12 2023 hear from experts about trends branding relationships and improving your sales in q1 2023 our thanks to joe kelly for producing our podcast events and justjoeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them we're about a minute away from talking with matt sunshine with the center for sales strategy and we've been looking forward to this for a while You can see our full guest calendar all the way into like March right now by going to our free blog section at RainMakerPathway.com. We don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. That's because we believe in this theory of abundance. You can ask me about it sometimes. I'll be glad to share. Go to RainMakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. Matt, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. How are you? I'm good. God, glad to be here. Excited to be here. Been looking forward for looking forward to this. Man, I'm excited too. I look. I think everybody knows if you get a few minutes with Matt Sunshine, you should talk about sales. <laughs> and and look, we're going to do that. But first, we want to know about you. And I'm sorry, I'm going to slide this in, dude. Matt Sunshine, is that is that your real name? It, it really is my last name. It it really is. God, don't be, nobody ever mistakes your name, right? Like mine is Lloyd Ford. People mess that up all the time, but yours never, right? Never ever. I mean, it's it's a it's a
1: it's a good last name. You just always you have to know people are always going to remember it, so you just have
0: to. You have got a double double. I think Matt's good too. <laughs> it's all good. So listen, when you were a kid, did you did you? Th- know maybe you thought "Ah, i'm gonna become a leader in sales training and uh public speaking did you was that you back as a kid never
1: ever in fact um in fact i really didn't speak until i was in second or third grade i kind of had uh, I just, I just didn't speak. It wasn't a, uh, my, my verbal skills were, were not all that good and spent a, a lot of my elementary days, elementary school days in, in speech class. So no, growing up to be a public speaker, uh, or in sales was not anything that as a kid, I, I thought about.
0: So nobody ever said, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you went, oh, I'm going to be sales. No, never, ever. <laughs> All right. So listen, you you originally you're originally from St. Louis. You're a graduate of the University of Missouri at Columbia. Can you tell us what you might have been thinking about with, you know, in that period of your life, the Columbia days at the university? What were you thinking you might do then? Yeah, so yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, went to
1: high school in St. Louis, went to the University of Missouri and Mizzou Tiger, and and I loved my college experience. I absolutely loved my college days, and uh, you know, professionally, what I was thinking about is, I, I think in the early days of of college, maybe I I thought law school was in in my future, but honestly, I, I it just. By the time I was a junior in high school, I I really was anxious and to get into the working world. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted maybe to own start a business or my parents were both entrepreneurial, um, and own businesses. And so that was kind of what I was gravitating towards. And, and I, I had become good at sales, whether that was retail sales or, um, uh, rush, uh, being the rush chairman at my fraternity, I was, I was, I had an, I understood that I was good at sales and giving people opportunities to have success. And so um, I, I had a family friend, we had a family friend that was, that was in the radio business. He had Mm -hmm. run, run run radio stations, owned radio stations. uh, And I was sharing over a hollow over winter break In my junior year, I don't know what I want to do after I graduate. And he said, well, what have you ever thought about radio sales? And 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 the answer was no, Uh, I never thought about radio sales. And he said, you should do that. And I was like, well, what's involved? Like, what is what is radio sales? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I no clue. No clue what it was. And he gave me the advice. He said, you know, why don't while you're in school, why don't you uh, convince a local radio station to give you a job um, doing anything? Just get in the building and see if you can be in the sales department. And I go, well, how would I do that? And he flippantly, I don't know if he was serious or not, but I took him serious. He said, why don't you go offer to work for free and just get paid commission? So uh, so that was my pitch.
0: And I and I went and did that. And. And this whole time you knew that early on that you had a gravitation to sales that you could do it. Well, did this guy know that too? So
1: I don't know. I, I, I think that my, parents knew knew it. I, I think that um I had been involved in some of the businesses that they owned while I was in college. I would help them out in sales and I would even make sales calls when I was in, in sales. I would go with them and I and and I, I started to have early signs of success. And quite frankly, I really enjoyed it. What I what I really enjoyed is helping people solve their problems. And if my product could help them solve their problem, then I felt like I was like giving back and doing the right thing. The fact that it it helped my company make a sale was was almost uh secondary to the fact that i was able to help them to achieve their goals i thought of myself as like this business consultant remember i, I was i was still working while i was graduating uh from college and i was uh i was working at the radio station as i finished up um and like I joined the downtown committee, the downtown council, and I was 21 years old and everyone else on, on the downtown committee were like business owners and stuff. And I remember at one of the first meetings, they all went around and interviewed me, what are you here for? And I said, well, I work at the local radio station, but what I'm really good at is understanding marketing and how to help businesses kind of grow and talk to the consumer base. And, and I just want to help all of your businesses do that and and I was honest and sincere about that and and it really it really worked and and it really got people results which
0: always made me happy so yeah that was how I got into this this is so exciting to have this kind of conversation about you early on. And I'm going to piggyback on this and just ask you, because you have a lot of experience with a lot of sellers and sales managers and radio people of all kinds. And, and look, I want to ask this question. Why do you think it's so hard for so many of us to get that connection that you got early about? I just like solving problems. And if my product can help you solve a problem and do that, well, how do you, why do you think there's so much attention that's like you have to sell x number of dollars and you know I, and obviously people want revenue but you're talking about purposeful work yeah i i i don't know but
1: i think it could be because many organizations when you come in you are immediately taught everything about your product and so you become product focused from the jump and so all you care about is what you have to sell and what your company represents and one thing that i like to say it's it's not what you sell it's what you solve right so stop thinking about what it is that you sell and start thinking about what is it that you solve but that's not the way especially when you're a a young rookie salesperson, you come into an organization, a lot of times the the emphasis is just on the product and we become product peddlers. And I think, I think people kind of, how can you can't become passionate about that. I, I easily became passionate about helping people grow their business. I don't Mm. know if anyone can become. And, and so for that reason, it never really mattered to me what type of radio format I was selling. Well, um, let me ask you this. Uh, is curi- is
0: curiosity a big part of that for you? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, listen, you. we could go right back to your days as an account manager in this business for Cox. What did you like about being a seller with Cox back then? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a quick and easy story.
1: So I was in Columbia, Missouri, I graduated college. I, my plan was to graduate, get married and, and move. And the owner of the station said, Hey, can you stick around one year? And after one year I'll even help you. And so I I did exactly that. And I, I, you know, I'm the type of person that makes a plan and then sticks to my plan. And so my plan was graduate, get married, or you know and, and and stayed stuck around 1 year and then we moved to Dallas. And the reason why we moved to Dallas is just because uh, I wanted a big city and my my wife, uh, she wanted warm weather. And so we were like, oh, we can drive to Dallas. That seems like fun. But I reached back out to the same person, that same mentor of mine. I reached back out to him and I said, hey, I'm going to move to Dallas. Are there any good radio companies there that I should be talking to? And at the time he said, you know, Cox just, just, bought a radio station in that market why don't you reach out to them and so i did i reached out to the the folks at cox i explained to them that i had you know about 18 months experience selling in columbia missouri that i was moving to dallas and that i really wanted opportunity but i reached out to the ceo of the company I you did. I, I reached out to a gentleman by the name of Mike Faraday, who is uh, no longer with us, but he was the, the C the CEO of Cox at the time. And I reached out to him and he called me back one day later and he apologized for taking one day to call me back, which I thought was the coolest thing in the entire world that the CEO would reach back out to some guy he's never heard of. And he said to me, have you uh, reached out to the local market? And I said, no, I thought I'd start with you. And he uh he said, I'm so glad you did. Let me connect you with the general manager. And I did. And I and everything about Cox and in, in, in when I joined, when I worked there in '91, '92, and '93, everything about the culture and the environment and, and the commitment to helping people and training people
0: was just spoke to everything I was about. You know what? You and I are big believers in this culture conversation. Before we get to my big question about Cox, I want to go back. Let's name that mentor, if you don't mind. Sure. It was Gary Stevens. Uh Gary Stevens. Okay, And and so here you are crafting your way through, not afraid to call the CEO of Cox and and ask about the situation. What did you learn when you were at Cox in Dallas? So
1: I was fortunate enough to work on a sales team that had a lot of veteran sellers um, and a fantastic uh, GSM and general manager, two people that, uh, you know, 30 years later, I'm still very close with. Um, You know what I learned? I learned that you need to first care about people before you care about how much revenue they will produce for you. And those, those people cared about me as a person and wanted to see me grow and develop. And and I felt it. And 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 it was it was uh, it really helped to shape because, you know, you think about it, I just moved across the I was newly married. I was 22 years old. I moved to a city where I had no family, no friends, no relatives. I, I didn't I didn't know how to. And, you know, there was no uh, GPS system for cars. So you, you're driving around, getting lost, trying to figure stuff out. And and they believed in me, and and that, I think that's what I learned early on. Those and 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 yes, I'll give credit to Cox, but I'll also say it was that it was those sales managers and the general manager and the salespeople that I was surrounded by. They were my world at
0: that time. All right. So name the general manager and the sales manager, and then I'm going to ask you a question about them. Uh, Greg Lindahl was the general manager, and Bob oh, Hogan. Yeah. Bob Hogan was yeah. the general sales manager. All right. So how did they make you feel that they cared about you? Because I think that's a fundamental question that gets lost in a lot of radio stations today. Yeah. So they knew, um, they asked and they knew um, what
1: my personal and professional goals were. And they also shared information about their their goals their professional goals they asked me for my input Um, they included me in conversations uh that you know maybe weren't exactly for someone who was kind of a newish salesperson um but they included me because i asked to be included and they they saw that as an opportunity to help me grow and develop but it was really it was just the fact that they they took time to make sure that they knew what, was, uh, what, what I was striving for, what my motivations were, and they understood how
0: to set me up for success. Makes a huge difference. Now, listen, when somebody has a steep sales background in particular, I always like to ask the question I'm about to ask you next, but you've already kind of talked to us about your parents a couple of times as being entrepreneurs, which brings up a whole different question, which I may spike in here, but were either of your sales, either of your parents, uh, either a seller or in sales, because that's sort of like being an entrepreneur, but it isn't the same thing.
1: Yeah. So, so my dad, my dad was a, um, Well, he, he was an, he, at one point he was on the on-air radio guy, and then he was a, um, a booking agent. He was for, had a rock and roll agency where he was a booking agent. And then, um, and then he later transitioned into being an executive recruiter, a headhunter.
0: And so I'd say all of those are sales jobs. You know, here's the other thing about that situation with your parents. You mentioned the trap a couple of times. Now it probably wasn't a trap for you, but for a lot of people, when their parents have a business of some kind or they're entrepreneurs, the trap is stay with me and grow the business. And, you know, that was never a part of your trajectory.
1: So, um, my, so my parents owned and my mom ran a temporary service while my dad had the executive search firm. Um, and, and it never really was something that I thought I would do. I always liked that job. I always thought it was great. Uh, but the moment I understood that a career in media sales was an opportunity at that moment in, in college, it just made perfect sense to me that that's what I was meant to do.
0: That was bait for you. You, you felt it right away. Yeah, immediately. Okay, but look, unlike a lot of people, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, dude, you're the stationary radio guy, okay? You're a Dallas guy. You also worked for Evergreen and Susquehanna. What did you love about those companies, and especially Susquehanna, because we all know if, if you had anything to do with them, and I did for a brief period of time, that was a great company. What would you like about them? So Susquehanna
1: is by far the favorite, my favorite company I ever worked for. I spent almost (laughs) almost 15 years there. Um, and, uh, the majority of my career in radio was at Susquehanna. I was very, I I've been so fortunate to have worked for amazing people and amazing companies. So I'll start with evergreen. I, I worked in the Chicago market in 95 and uh, 96, and I worked at, uh, WMVP and, and, uh, the loop and, uh, was there with all, all the cast of characters and boy, it was I was only there for one year because then Susquehanna called and uh, asked me to come back. I had worked for them previously, um, but I absolutely loved working, you know, with Jimmy DeCastro and Doug Stern and Larry Wirt and Cheryl Eskin and the list goes on and on and on. But some of the greatest people in the industry and they taught me a lot. They taught me a lot about um urgency and and ways of looking at things to grow to grow revenue and you know uh just it was just an exciting time we were the flagship for the chicago bulls and in that magical season and um i wouldn't trade it for anything but dan halliburton another mentor of mine uh was uh came calling and said matt we want you to come back and i came went back to susquehanna and uh, again i was there nearly 15 years and it was absolutely the best and i will tell you when you work for a guy like dan halliburton and dave kennedy and and nancy vaith and and some of those they just epitomize the what i was talking about earlier where they not only they care about of course everyone cares about the revenue that's what we're in business for but they care about the people and and you really, really felt that when you worked there. We we felt like we were doing good. We we felt like our job was to to grow the people that worked at Susquehanna and to help the businesses have success
0: that that chose to do business with us. Man, are we talking with Matt Sunshine with Center for SEAL Strategy? And he is talking about his time in Chicago and his time in Dallas. And Matt, I gotta tell you, I, I bet in your current role today. When you talk about those kinds of, I don't know if you talk about your background with people, but when you do, and you talk about Chicago and you talk about Dallas, I don't think it gets more complex than those environments, right? No, 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 I don't think so. I don't think so. Those are big time environments. You know, uh, look, you are known to have expertise related to lead generation, inbound marketing digital marketing sales process growing sales organizations and finding and developing sales superstars which i know anybody listening to this podcast episode will be listening very closely on all those things but really that developing sales superstars uh is a big one that's a mouthful this might be a chicken or the egg question do you feel you just needed these skills for yourself that's how you become an expert in each of them? Or has this just been a function of time in our industry and the things you've been doing for so long that have, have built those expertise on you? You know, it's probably a combination of a bunch of those things. So
1: in, in, 2006 susquehanna sold uh and when when that happened i went over to the center for sales strategy and and um uh the reason why i went to the center for sales strategy is because i had hired the center for sales strategy to be our consultants when i was at susquehanna so i knew i knew them well um so you know um necessity is the mother of invention right so you're yes. you, you're 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 working with clients and you're trying to grow your own business and you realize that you know you talk to enough sales people day in and day out and the one thing they keep saying is well If only I had more leads, it's getting more difficult to get appointments. I don't have enough appointments and how I spend I spend four hours a day banging the phones and cold calling and I'm getting frustrated and burning out. You hear that day in and day out from salespeople. And then you're trying to grow your own business, the Center for Sales Strategy. And you're like, boy, it'd be a whole lot better if we had some leads coming in rather than just waiting on referrals, which, by the way, nothing wrong with referrals. I love them. But I want more than just that. And so you start looking around and going, okay, well, how am I going to solve this problem? Right? If I was my, if I was a client of mine and this was the challenge, how would I solve this problem? And I've always considered myself a good problem solver, right? Even going back to what I said, you know, in college, what I really like to do is help people solve their problems, help people grow their business.
0: And so you realize you're, you're talking about the most interesting problem there is,
1: I think, well, here's what I knew. I knew doing the same thing over and over again, and just hoping that I'd get different results. Was not going to work? So I started experimenting
0: right? Right. So, so how did you, because I was, you know, I kept trying to formulate that question and you just walked right into it. So I'm going to find a way to ask this question. The very fact that you're so focused on lead generation, I'm like, man, that's like scary, big stuff. It is because it's not easy for people to do that. Or am I wrong? So, um,
1: I think it's simple. It's not easy, right? I mean, Mm. I mean, here, here's, so here's what I know. I know that if I stand up in front of a group of, um, of, prospects. If I stand up in front of a group of prospects and I share with them how, if I give them information that can help them to grow their business, that a certain percentage of them after my presentation is done are going to come up to me and say, Hey, Matt, any way that we can have an additional conversation? Cause I really like what you're saying. And I I'd be interested in knowing more and maybe you can even help us achieve that. And I think that's true for everybody. I do, too. And so that's why we did inbound marketing, because I just said, okay, if that's true, I just need to do it at scale. Mm. And that's inbound marketing. I get up and I tell people how I give them ideas. I'm helpful. I give them ideas on how they can help grow their business. And people always say, well, don't you charge for that? And I say, no, not at all. I just want to help them grow their business. If they need me, they'll come, they'll come reaching out to me. They'll ask, and maybe we'll do business or maybe we won't. But I don't charge to help someone
0: like that. This is part of my theory of abundance, by the way. We give away a lot at Rainmaker Pathway for that very reason. We want people to do well. We want to help people to do well, whether they're a client or not a client or we don't care. Absolutely. If you're the radio business, we want you to do well because we believe in the radio business. And Lloyd, you're sincere about it, and I'm sincere about it. I
1: think the mistake that a lot of people make is that they're not sincere. Yeah, because they're thinking about sales. Right, they're doing it to to slide in a slide in a pitch. Like, and I'm like, no, you can't. You have to truly be sincere. But that is that is how we've done it, and that is how we teach people or or help people that want to do inbound marketing. Is if you do it the right way, if you are sincere, if you truly want to help people and give them information that'll help them to grow their business or do whatever they need. when they need you, they'll call you and they'll call you first.
0: Yep, because they think of you as somebody who will help them, not Absolutely. somebody who will sell them, right? That's right. So, yeah, look, I, you you already kind of said, you didn't say, I'm a prep guy, but you said, I'd like to have a plan. How important is having a solid process in sales? Oh, it's so important. Um, So one of
1: the reasons why I hired the center for sales strategy back back way back when was because I thought that we were accidentally good and I wanted to be intentionally great. Mm. And, 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 And here's what i meant by that i thought especially at our dallas operation i thought we're really good we we hit our numbers but you know what the market was really good and and we had the wind behind us and it was great and and what i wasn't confident in is someone once said to me so if you picked up your uh if if your company bought a station in a new market could you just go and implement the same system and process and it'd be automatically successful and i thought Ooh, I don't know if we really have a system and a process. We're just really good at what we do. I, I need a system. I need a process. I need something that is uh repeat predictable, repeatable, right? Predictable right. and repeatable. And so yeah, I'm a process guy. I love a system. I love a process. I love being able to figure out where the bottlenecks are in a in a process and then curing that bottleneck and 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 slowly
0: and slowly improving everything. I see one of people like you, Matt. All right. So, how important is it to get a prospect to talk? How important it is it to get a prospect to talk?
1: Yes. Oh, I mean, well, it, you, you can't know where they're where they're where they need help if they're not talking. I, I guess there's a little bit of there nowadays, there's a, a there is an assumption, rightfully so, that when we go and meet with a prospect or go and talk to a prospect, that we'll have done done some research on their industry, maybe even on their business. So we we go in with some idea of where they might have some sort of struggle. The internet allows us to do that. Research allows us to do that. But oh my god, it's so much easier than it's ever been, right? Absolutely. And, and and you don't have to do that much research, that much homework in order to to get a leg up. But yes, the answer to your question flat out. We have to get folks talking so that they can share um, what's going on and what they've tried and and what has worked and what hasn't worked so that we can truly come back with a solution. I mean, and again, Lloyd, if what you're trying to do is help people grow their business, you will automatically do that. If you're trying to just sell your product, then you won't let them say a word because it'll uh, interrupt your pitch. Because you're too busy talking,
0: right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So look, you see in your job every day, you know, people always say, my job's different every day. Okay. But in your job, you see a lot of sales managers, you see a lot of sellers, You've got to have a great overview of experience. What is the one habit you wish you could eliminate that you see in so many situations?
1: So one habit that I wish I could never see again. And and I, and I'll admit that from time to time, I'm guilty of this too. uh, And I'm trying to break myself is I wish we could get rid of the expression. I'm so busy. Mm. Um somewhere at some point over the last few years, it has become like a badge of honor to say how busy you are. Um, you know, you ask someone, Hey, so Lloyd, how you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Uh, okay. Well, I really didn't ask how busy you were. I just asked how you were doing. Proper answer is I'm doing great. Or you know what? I'm not doing so well today. I got a lot. I got, I got a lot on my mind, but the answer isn't I'm busy. Right. So, yeah. and, and, and because of that, I'll twist, I'll, I'll flip your, your question a little bit. The, I wish we could get rid of the saying I'm so busy and I wish we could all create the habit of being productive every day, determining what is product, what does productive mean and be productive every day. I think that'd be great.
0: I do too. And I'm going to slide in, get rid of the words. I can't. Right, yes, I agree. All right. So, so tell me this, um how do you spot great raw sales talent? Yeah, great great question.
1: Um so a couple of ways. Number 1, always be looking. Always be looking. Always have your antenna up. Uh, So many people only look for great sales talent when they have a job opening. And, and I, I discourage that. I encourage always be looking and look everywhere. I think oftentimes what we try, what we look for is we only look when we have an opening and we only look at someone's experience. And you said, how do you, how do you spot great raw sales talent? Well, raw sales talent might come at you when you don't have an opening and raw sales talent might not have very much experience. So first thing I do is uh, if you when you get past that is under understand what are the talents that are necessary? What is the raw talent that you're looking for? Right. Mm. Is it is it is someone that has positivity? Is it someone that has courage? Is it someone that is uh, uh, curious? Is it someone that um, you know, always seems to mo- be able to move the conversation along, whatever those talents are that you're looking for, for the type of sales role that you have, right. all sales roles are not the same. You can spot talent. You can start to look for talent. And then there are talent assessment tools. We have a talent assessment tool and our, our very best clients are using sales of talent assessments, you know, 20 or 30 of them a month because whenever Mm. they spot someone and they're saying, Hey, you know what, why don't you take this assessment and see, and let's see what your top talents are and see if you have talent for sales. And I'll even share with
0: you what your top talents are. So that's how we do it. And that's how I recommend it. Yeah. It's a lot more fun that way. And I'm glad you said the thing about always be looking and you repeated that several times. I, I think, That we're all kind of sometimes guilty of only looking for things when we really need them. It's kind of like you only say a prayer when you're in a car accident. (laughs) It's like, no, that probably is not exactly the way it should be. So, you know, it is important to just constantly be looking and being and be willing to look in unusual places. Why do you think recruiting is so hard today? Is it part of what we're talking about that people only look when they have a need?
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's a big, big part of it. And, you know, a while ago I I mentioned, you know, I I think everyone should be able to define what what productive means for them. And if I was a sales leader, one of the things that I would have on my daily productivity you know would be uh to interview someone or to identify a name of someone i want to interview imagine if you did that every day imagine if you were able to interview two people two people a week that'd be a hundred people a year i mean yeah you you would never have a problem and i i just just this week uh i mean last week just last week someone said well matt that's not realistic especially because my my company is on a hiring freeze I said, not forever. I mean, right. hey, why don't you now's a great time when someone tells you that they're not interested in leaving where they're working right now, you should say, that's great because I'm not actually hiring right now. I'm just wanting to talk to people that might be uh, have of interest someday. I, I, ju- I think the reason why it's so hard is is a couple of reasons. Number one is that we're not looking often enough. That's number one. The second reason is, is that many companies do not have what I would consider to be elite onboarding programs. And so so they're they're afraid to hire someone unless they are loaded with experience. And quite honestly, they can't afford to hire the people that are loaded with experience. And and they don't want to hire the people that don't have experience that might be superstars in the making because they don't have the onboarding that they
0: need. Right. They don't want to spend the time and effort and energy on anything unless it's a sure bet. Right. And they have the sure bet. So listen, you know, you're you should be a person that's really intimidating to talk to. I don't find that to be the case at all. You've written at least one book, Getting Prospects to Raise Their Hand, which I think is a great title. For those of us who haven't done that, written a book, was that hard? And then why were you compelled to write that book and and. Uh, I'm I've asked these complicated questions. What's the one thing that you would want anyone to reads the book, but walk away from that experience to get from that experience of reading the book.
1: All right. So I'll answer your questions in
0: order. Um, Do it.
1: Okay. Um, was it hard? It was harder than I thought it would be, uh, at least for mm-hmm. me. Um, I think what writing a book taught me was how to be succinct. When when you're on a podcast or when you're up on stage talking, you can read the room or you can kind of get a feel for the, the the person that you're talking to. You can you can ramble around a little bit before you get to your point and 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 and, and it'll it'll work out just fine. In a book, people are making a decision about every seven words that they want to keep on reading. So you That's really right. have to be succinct and get to your point and and not belabor it. Um, so that's hard. The editing process is hard. Writing a long chapter is easy. Writing a short, concise chapter, very hard. Um, Why was I compelled to write the book? Well, the reason why I was compelled to write the book is because I truly wanted to give back. I really, I, I thought, I thought I figured out, I believe that I figured out a really good, efficient way To get prospects to raise their hand, I figured out a way to help people become thought leaders and do it consistently so that it will drive new prospects for them. And by the way, I didn't invent this. When I say I figured it out, I figured out a style, a a technique to do inbound marketing, right? I didn't invent inbound marketing. I was, I'm not that smart, but I was smart enough to realize that this inbound marketing meant something. And what happened was when I started doing inbound marketing, I spent the first year making a ton of mistakes. I I messed up a lot. I I didn't do it the right way. And and I was experimenting and learning. And I I said one day uh, to some colleagues, I said, boy, I wish there would have been like a how to book that I could have had. It would have probably saved me nine months of aggravation. And uh, they said, why don't you write that book? And so that was why I wrote the book. Because I wanted other people that were going to go through this to have kind of the cheat sheet, the the user's guide on how to do it, what I consider to be the right way. And um, the one thing that you you asked me, what was the one thing uh, that I want people to get from the experience is anyone that will read my book, um, what they'll walk away from is they'll say, wow, Matt really handed it all to us. He Mm -hmm. really did there. I didn't leave. It's not like, Oh, and if you want to do this, you'll have to uh, give us your, you know, reach
0: out to, no, no, no. I put it all in there. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Very good. Listen, here's a quote about you quote. I've been fortunate to work with Matt on and off since 1995. And he has consistently brought a tremendous amount of strategic insight into every marketing conversation. He has always been about the big picture, not just tactics. Matt listens first and then responds with an intelligent perspective, unquote. So what is it about humans that we are mostly formulating what we're going to say next instead of being true active and curiosity-based listeners? In other words, how can we work hard enough to be a good active listener to have people say these kinds of things about us? That's so nice that someone said that
1: Um, Mm. I. So I think it goes back to kind of, you know, where this started, it depends on what you care about, if if what you care about is helping people to grow their business or if what you care about is helping people to grow and achieve, you're going to lean in, you're going to pay attention, you're going to listen, you're going to look for cues, you're going to be curious because everything that you're focused on is how can I help? How can I be helpful here? How how can I help your business? How can I help you grow and develop? What sort of things do I have that I can help you with? And and, and what sort of expertise do I have that might be a benefit to you for you to accomplish the goals that you have for you, for you professionally, personally, or, or your business? I, I think that it starts there. Um, you can take a lot of active listening uh, courses, and, and I think that anyone that would do that um, would get incrementally better. You'd get better at, at listening. If you did that, you'd pick up strategies on, on how to listen better. But I don't know. I just think that if, if, if it's if it's the truth and if what you really want to do is help someone grow, then of
0: course, you're going to pay attention to what they're saying and you're going to listen. And if you're listening to Matt and you're hearing what he's saying, this whole interview is packed with exactly this, okay? Whether he's talking about that first guy that said, you should look at radio, or he's talking about the first sales manager, the first general manager, and that they cared about him, they cared about him, and that drew him closer to them. Listen, Matt, after working with the Center for Sales Strategy for so long, uh, dude, you became the owner in 2015. How significant of a decision was that in your life oh my god it was it was tremendous um and something i
1: really really wanted to do in fact when i came to work here in 2006 um i i mentioned to steve marks at the time um, who was the founder and owner as well as uh, you know, the guy leading the company at the time, I, I said, "Hey, one day would it be possible? Do you think that one day I could be an owner in this company?" And and he said, "Yes, absolutely. Not making any promises, but yes, why not? That could certainly happen." It was it was hugely significant um, decision in my life to do that. Um, you know, I I shared. Steve Mark shared something with me and Steve, obviously, like I just said, is the founder, was the founder of CSS. And by the way, this year, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary of being in business. So that's kind of exciting. Man. Um, yeah, but one of the things Steve said to me and, and I paid attention and I kind of adopted it as my own is wouldn't it be great if this company survived me by 50 years? Right. And, And when he said that I was, I instantly took that. I said, I'm taking that. I want the company to survive me by 50 years. So when, when you think about the importance of the company and, and the work that we do, not only for our clients, but for the people that work here. And I want them to have an opportunity for a long time. You just start seeing things differently. I Like I've mentioned some people that helped me along the way, mentors and, and leaders that I had. And I really felt as though they gave a lot to help me become me. I feel as though it's my obligation to do the same for, for others. And that and yes. so buying CSS and becoming an owner in CSS was hugely significant for that reason.
0: Yeah. And look, it wasn't just you. Your wife, Beth, works with you at the Center for Sales Strategy. Uh, dude, what is it about her? Does she keep you centered? What is it like working with the woman who brought you Gwen's? Oh yes.
1: <laughs> so Beth, Beth was actually here first. I need to make that. <laughs> so oh, nice. when, when I was at Susquehanna, um, the center for sales strategy was looking for someone for their talent department, which is one of the, one of the amazing areas of our, our of our company. And, uh Beth was, uh, we, we had, at the time, the girls were young, we had twin daughters and um, they're adults now, they're actually parents now, um, themselves. They, um, Beth, I sent home the email and I said, hey, this company, the Center for Sales Strategy, is looking for someone that meets this uh, description anyone, you know? So she looked at that. She goes, are you thinking me? And I said, I am thinking you. So she went mm. and interviewed for the job and got the job and she's been here ever since. And she's our vice, pre- our senior vice president over talent and, and culture and engagement with our division up your culture. And, uh, she, she does an awesome job and it's, I love getting to work with her every single day. It's, it's, it's the greatest. What a nice compliment. And, and she does keep me centered. Absolutely. Positively.
0: Keeps me (laughs) sound. I figured that had to be a part of it for sure. Listen, in our business today, the radio business, uh, you hear people talking about after the pandemic, whatever that means. Okay. After this period of time that is like no other time we've ever seen, uh, you know, there were these businesses that just crashed everywhere. And now there is this talk of an explosion of new entrepreneurs and new businesses in a lot of places. In your opinion, Matt, how important will new never before sold business be in 2023 for local radio? Essential.
1: Um, in a word, essential, and and the reason why is, I mean, the the only way to to hit to hit your revenue numbers is either with renewed business or new business, right? I mean, that's it. Yes. Those are the categories. You're either gonna keep your current clients and hopefully grow them, and you got to bring in new business, and What we're seeing already is that some of the renewal business, uh, the retention of logos is strong, but the retention of revenue from those logos is, is flat and sometimes down a little bit. Um, maybe where where some clients were buying you know six stations in a market maybe they're now only buying five stations in a market right so it's really going to come from new client acquisition new logos and all the reports that that you've seen that I've seen that they're out there and the, from the SMB is that there has been an explosion of new businesses popping
0: up and and they they may not look like Right. right and they they may not look like or be in the same uh what uh frame of reference as things you've sold in the past right that's right and and you
1: know nowadays anyone selling at any media company has a plethora of 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 assets and capabilities that they can sell. Like, it's not like all you have is your 30 and your 60 and maybe a booth at an event. I mean, you, you have lots and lots of ways that you can help businesses to grow their business. And I think new logos, new client acquisition is going to be
0: um, super fun, super exciting and needs to be embraced. And what's great about everything that you just said about what people have now and how the world has changed now is that we have the greatest opportunity to go forth to see people, to help people solve problems, not sell our stuff. That's right. That's right. All right. So now you've graduated to the big question. And so I will just go ahead and and I'm just going to unload it on you because you're very capable. Uh, How do you see the future of radio specifically and sales within our business? What's the future?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. And, you know, I am not a, uh, not a fortune teller. So, so I, I don't predict the future, but I, I, I know how to uh, prepare for it. And here's what I, here's what I'm seeing right now. There's enough research there's enough study that has been done that shows that most salespeople, radio salespeople, media salespeople, um, spend probably only 30% of their time actually selling. And that's not because they're not working hard. That's not because they are not they don't want to work more, have more of their time. But just with all of the account management, customer service, internal meetings that go on, they spend about 30% of their time selling. I think the future is going to be um, with more of a division of labor strategy. Uh, I think the lone wolf sales person that is responsible for doing 100% of their uh finding prospects and 100% of doing their cold calling and setting up the appointments and 100% of doing research and 100% of writing the commercials and 100% of being out at the remote and 100% of renewing the business and writing the proposal. I think all of that we're going to see more sales enablement, we're going to see more division of labor, we're going to see Finally, we're going to see companies go to um, having a lead generation system, whether that's through inbound marketing or through appointment setters or using technology. I think we're going to see that, and so that we'll get salespeople up to the point where maybe fifty percent of their time could actually be selling. I don't think that we're ever going to get to, and I don't know if we want to get to the point where hundred percent is just selling and moving on i think that there is customer service and account management that does roll into that but i do think that we'll get to a a point where sales people and i think if you talk to the superstars out there and you say to them if you had somebody that was helping you set appointments how much more productive could you be i think they would all be a little giddy and go can you even imagine matt matt imagine if i had more time to be doing discovery meetings and presenting proposals and closing business and a little less time doing the recap or setting the appointment on the front end. Oh, just be
0: great. That's right. And look, a lot of people don't know this, like Gannett, they do this structure where they have a lot of support that is different. And look, it's, uh, it's no shame on me. I look at, I look at anybody to see How is it being done better? How is, how is, and, and, and this too, Matt, I got to ask this. Don't you think it is, if you're in management, you're in management, isn't your number one role to try to figure out how to make those selling jobs easier, how to, how to make it easier for clients to do business with your people? Yes. And imagine if you embraced
1: this and you had a little bit of a machine set up that was generating leads on the front end and helping with customer service on on the back end. Imagine how much better your ability to recruit people that were Mm. super talented at doing great discovery meetings, bringing back ideas and solutions and closing business. And that's all they had to be really good at.
0: Yep. It's man, it it would just be great. Matt, I gotta tell you, it's so cool to spend this time with you. I want to thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I really, I really
1: appreciate it and I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Man, this is the kind of thing that we live for because it is a giving back thing. Listen, you can get more free resources to help your sellers anytime with our encouraging sales success series inside our free blog at RainmakerPathway.com anytime we're here to encourage radio crows at all levels. That absolutely encourages is about encouraging our salespeople subscribe anytime to the encouragers, the radio rally podcast on Apple, audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast, listen to our episodes in our large and growing archive. We're almost at a hundred episodes. And of course you'll get our new episodes each week, usually on Monday night, uh, where you are always going to be encouraged. It's the one thing I guarantee you that will happen because we have the great guests who are encouraging. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me directly, F-O-R-D at rainmakerpathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. Like we say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Want to know what I mean by that? Call me up, I'd be glad to, to describe the whole thing to you. Listen, we want to thank our special guest for this podcast episode, Matt Sunshine, who has the great name with sales uh, center for sales strategy. And he is uh, such a uh, such a great guest just to to share nuggets of things that can help you with your sales. I want to thank him for being our patient and giving guest A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing The Encouragers, The Radio Rally Podcast, which will be available shortly here. And of course, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share The Encouragers, The Radio Rally Podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio and radio and uh, they can subscribe for free just like you. It's so easy on your smartphone these days. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers, and good night.